So, this morning I want to talk about comfort zones. We all have them, whether we recognize it or not. And, uh, you know, you can tell a little bit about people's comfort zones just by observing their behavior. For instance, I know with some reasonable uh, explanation that you all have chosen where you sit because it's in your comfort zone. Maybe not you all, you're pretty much forced to be up there. But you all have pretty much chosen where you want to sit because it's in your comfort zone. Because this is like, this is just the right amount of space that you might need. Maybe space from other people, clearly space from the preacher. Y'all are all way back there. Because you know that if you sit where you are, then you can maintain a sense of control and comfort so that, you know, this can be a pleasurable experience. Because, you know, if the preacher starts getting too close or something, or things start getting too involved over in your space, then there's a little more anxiety about it, and, you know, might get called on or something like that. I'm not going to do any of that today. Um, But I can imagine, because I've been a victim of this before, that if I were to say, all right, I'm going to need everybody to come up here to these first, like, six or seven rows, that that would cause some anxiety for some people because, you know, we have our comfort zone, we have our space, that we know this is where we're good. We've got this right here. And that helps us keep uh, an amount of control over our lives. And comfort zones are our way to say, this is as far as we're willing to go. Any further than this would be too much for me. And it's something that plays out in our everyday lives. And I've been particularly noticing it as I've been shopping lately. Because it's, it's becoming more of a trend that after wherever you go shopping at, after you check out, then um, you know, you're, you're waiting there to you know, swipe or tap or insert your chip of your credit card uh, to pay for it. And all of a sudden, the cashier says, would you like to donate to X? And, you know, there's this little prompt on the, on the little credit card machine that, you know, gives you options, $1, $2, $5, or other, and, uh, and it's to whatever organization. And comfort zones come into play because all of a sudden you're thinking, all right, do, do I want to support this organization? Do I want to give a little bit more money than, you know, what I just had to spend on groceries or whatever? And you have to decide how far your comfort zone is willing to take you. $1, $2, $5, or other. And, you know, typically it's for a pretty good cause. Um, I was at AutoZone. They even do it at AutoZone now. I was at AutoZone, and they're they're supporting uh, St. Jude's right now. So usually it's for a good cause. But we still have to check ourselves in our comfort zones and ask, how far am I willing to go? What's in my comfort zone of how much money I'll give? Or what's in my comfort zone for how much I will do, even for a really good cause? because we have these comfort zones, this amount in which we'll say, this is how far I will go. And they play into every aspect of it. Typically, you know, people end up building their lives around their comfort zones, from the places that we sit, um, to maybe even like the, the car we drive, the place we live, even our work, the occupation that we have. Typically, people tend to choose to work in their comfort zone. <coughs> I did not do that. I had this confession moment before. Um, ministry is very far outside of my comfort zone. And the reason why is because I have a particular social anxiety that, uh, that has me of a mindset that any time I interact with another person, I can only feel like I'm being a burden to them. 
And I can't explain it. I, I have tried. I've been in counseling for years. I mean, even my therapist gets frustrated with me because, you know, it's, it's an irrational thing to think about, right? I mean, typically, if you're a burden to somebody, people are going to let you know. They're going to keep their distance from you. But for whatever reason, that's what I wrestle with. Every time I'm talking with somebody or even close to somebody, I feel like I'm a burden to them. And even right now, letting you know this, I feel like I'm a burden to you just having that information out there. And so, as you can imagine, that makes ministry very complicated because it's a very much a people-oriented profession. Everything I do has people in mind or is interacting with people on some scale. And so it's, it's pretty far outside of my comfort zone. But I had to. I had to go into ministry because I tried the other things. I, I know, you know, I'm, I'm still fairly young, but I've had the opportunity to experience other things that, I, that were in my comfort zone. I worked for an engineering company with a desk job, had a nice uh, cubicle office type thing, had a, had a fun computer, and I was able to do all this uh, fun engineering, AutoCAD work and all this stuff, and, and you know, kept to myself, didn't have to feel like a burden to anybody, and it was easy. And it was easy to show up to work, and it was easy to go about and finish my day and leave. But there was just something missing. And so I also tried, uh, I was, my, uh, this past year, before we left Atlanta, I was a local handyman in the Atlanta area for a year, uh, just going around fixing people's broken stuff or helping them move or doing whatever they needed done uh, because it was something I have experience in, and it was, you know, a pretty easy way to make money, especially in Atlanta. People have stuff broken all over the place. And, uh, and so I got to do that for a year. And even doing that, something that I was very familiar with, something that I only had to interact with people really for about five minutes at the beginning of the job, I'll say it was very much in my comfort zone, but even that I couldn't maintain because there was still just something missing. There's something that just didn't feel right. Even though it was well inside my comfort zone, I knew that I was missing some part of what it meant to be me. And so I want us to talk about comfort zones today in the church because comfort zones make the difference between attending the church and being the church. How far our comfort zone is willing to reach or how far outside of our comfort zone we're willing to reach reveals to us whether we are a people who simply attend to the church or whether we're a people who want to be the church. And so, to put this into perspective, Jesus, got to talk about Jesus. I don't know. Jesus never sat around waiting for people to come to him. It just, that wasn't Jesus. Jesus never sat just, it wasn't like Jesus pulled up a chair in, in Galilee, somewhere beside, the, somewhere beside the Sea of Galilee, pulled up a chair, sat down, uh, the disciples started distributing tickets, and everybody formed a single file line, and then, you know, Jesus said, all right, next, come on, yep, you're healed, miracle, sins forgiven, all that stuff. No, Jesus didn't sit and wait for people to come to him, although it would have worked, he was pretty convincing. Jesus went to the people and met them where they were. And as the church, the people who are called to imitate the life of Christ, our church needs to be willing to do the same. Our church needs to be willing to go to people where they are, to meet them, where they ha where, wherever they might be, 
And, you know, a couple of years ago, the expression, build it and they will come, used to work for the church. There used to be this mindset that if you built a church, people would show up, fill the, fill the pews, and would worship, and it'd be great. The expression doesn't really work so much. We've got churches all over the place, and people are leaving them. And it's partially culturally because the church in this time frame when it was booming was the social hub of every community. People were much more agriculturally oriented and so spent more time apart from each other. And church was a place where people could come together in community and meet with one another, spend time in worship and feel like they were a part of something bigger than just their lives. But since then, our society's developed to a point where the church isn't the, cult, isn't the, uh, the hub of community and connection uh, as much as it was before. We now have other places where community and connection reside. We now have, you know, uh, whether it be in school or extracurricular activities or in the workplace or so on and so forth, everywhere we have little social groups that have formed and satisfy that need uh, for, uh, for a social connection. And so now the church is having to reevaluate itself and realize that just because the church is there doesn't necessarily mean people are going to show up. Maybe they will, and that's fantastic, but I'll tell you, it takes a lot of courage to show up to a church that you might be unfamiliar with. A lot of courage. And it's incredible when people do. But typically, people stay away from the church because it's, it's a lot. And frankly, Weird things happen in the church. I mean, come on, what when, when other, other time in your life do you come to a place where, like, you, a building like this, and you, you sit and you all face one direction, and you listen to some weird person talk for way too long, and there's all these different weird rituals and stuff. I mean, it's, church is a pretty strange place. But the church can't remain expecting that if they just sit there, people will come. Rather, we have to start taking up the mindset of Christ, of going to people. In fact, that was the initial commission of the church, of the disciples. The end of Matthew, Jesus' great commission was, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I have commanded you. Go. Go and do these things. Don't just sit around waiting for people to come and, and ask for these things. Go, go to where the people are. And that call to go, if the church is going to embrace it, we need to understand it's going to require giving up part of our comfort zone. It's going to require an amount of sacrifice. And so this is where our text from Luke comes into play. Luke chapter 9, 23 through 25, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and this comes right after uh, Peter's grand revelation, right? So um, there's been all this talk about who Jesus is, who John the Baptist is, like what's going on, the disciples want an answer, and Jesus asked them, you know, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Like, and Jesus says, all right, great. And then he said to them all, if anyone want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their crosses daily and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit them if they gain the whole world 
but forfeit or lose themselves. Jesus gives this call to the disciples to take up their crosses. And this is an expression that the church is fairly familiar with, but I want to put it into perspective, okay? So the disciples know what the cross is. It's not like Jesus was the first person to ever be crucified. The Roman Empire used crucifixion pretty regularly as the death penalty, as the greatest form of execution. So they knew what a cross was. It was an emblem of torture and death. And so here Jesus is telling them, take up your cross and follow me. And so I can imagine that they would be a little bit confused by this because it, it sounds, Jesus, like you're saying that you, you want us to go and die. It sounds like you're saying that you're expecting us to be killed. And while that does happen for some of the disciples, what Jesus is really saying here is a little more profound and not so surface level. Really, he's saying, I want you to be willing to sacrifice everything for others. You might not have to sacrifice everything, but I want you to be willing to. And so that's why Jesus says to take up your cross and to do it daily. Daily is a key word. Now this expression, uh, when Jesus says, if anyone wants to become my followers, they must deny themselves and take up their cross, that's, uh, that's uh, shows up in all of the Gospels. And, you know, it's, it's pretty rare that something is a consistent theme across each of the four Gospels. But this one shows up. But Luke's Gospel is the only one that includes the word daily. And I think that's for a very specific purpose. That Luke wanted to convey to us that Jesus wasn't just asking us to sacrifice some of ourself just once. It's not like, all right, once you've, once you've hit this age and you've made this much money and you've gotten this promotion, then take up your cross. Or once you've hit this comfort level and this has happened in your life and you know, you, you've hit this mile marker, then sacrifice of yourself. Or you were young, you made some decisions and you sacrificed of yourself really early on, now you're done. It's daily, every single day, making the choice of voluntary, sacrificial living. A desire to actually give of ourselves for the benefit of other people. And this is, this is a pretty radical concept because it doesn't fully click in our lives that every moment we are called to refuse giving in to our selfish desires. But that's, that's what Jesus is calling anyone who would follow him to do. Every single day, refusing to give in to our selfish desires. And now, Jesus goes into this notion of, it's not just about sac sacrifice, it's not just about taking up the cross, but he goes even deeper. He says, before even taking up their cross, let them deny themselves. Let them deny themselves. In other words, to quite literally say no to self. For those who want to save their life and will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit them if they gain the whole world, if they gain everything but lose or forfeit themselves? That notion of denying ourselves is a crucial part 
of the life of Christianity. Because self-centeredness is both counterproductive and destructive. I've heard it said occasionally that the opposite of Christianity or Christ-like living is this religion or this religion or a complete lack of religion. And that's, frankly, it's, it's not true. The, the opposite of Christianity, the opposite of Christ-like living is a life focused on me alone. That's the opposite of Christianity. Selfishness, self-centeredness. That's why Christianity so often gets labeled as the religion of the hypocrites. Because people know that Christianity is the call to live for more than just me. It's a call to live for others. And then whenever people see people who are claiming to be Christian living for just themselves, all they can say is, that's hypocritical. That doesn't make sense. You can't be a Christian and live for only you. I can't be a Christian and live for only me. They, those two things don't intertwine. It's, they're opposites. We often find that those who focus only on themselves are also the same who are left most unhappy and unfulfilled in the world. You know, you've probably seen it in the movies. There's somebody who's gotten everything, got the promotion, making that six-figure salary that they've always dreamed of, got their whole life figured out, and there's still something missing. There's still something that, that feels unsatisfactory. What's not clicking here? There's like a hole, as some people have described it, that needed to be filled. And sociologists and psychologists have taken this a step further to put it into scientific terms and found out that some of the wealthiest, most powerful, uh, most famous people are also some of the most unhappy people. Because living for self it creates an amount of dissonance within us that we come to realize we weren't made for that. It's the only thing that I could attribute my dissatisfaction with the other jobs that I've tried out in my life. That I wasn't made for that. I was made for something more. More than just being in my comfort zone. We are called to move outside of our comfort zone and into a life of giving because selfishness is counterproductive and even destructive for our lives. And so as we've been going through this series on breaking down four walls, I want us to recognize that for today, breaking down four walls means going beyond our comfort zone to reach those who need the gospel message of hope and love. The key there is going beyond our comfort zone. Life is comfortable behind these four walls. It is. This, is. this is comfortable right here. So long as we're behind these four walls, we have a certain amount of control. We can say what we like and what we don't like. And we can make sure that everything happens just the way we like. And if something happens that we don't like, then we can create an uproar or a fuss and get mad or do whatever and try to make a big deal out of it so long as it's happening inside these four walls. I can't tell you how many churches, not only I've been in, but have heard of, 
in an absolute wreck of a fight about the color of the carpet. But I feel like that's pretty real. I feel like if I were to come just one day say, I think that needs to be green. We're going to change it to green. I feel like that there would be some people who would be pretty upset about that. I mean, you know, because we're changing stuff inside the four walls. This is where we're supposed to be comfortable. This is where we're supposed to keep things just the way we like them. And I'll tell you right now, that's not what it means to be the church. That is what it means to attend to the church. And so if we just want to be a people who attend to the church, then that's fine. We can keep up our four walls, these barriers, keep things just the way we like them, and keep ourselves comfortable. But if we want to be a people who are to be the church, then we need to be willing to go beyond our comfort zone and recognize that ministry doesn't happen within these four walls. That God is calling us beyond these four walls. And now, I do need to say, there's nothing wrong with staying inside our comfort zone. It's actually healthy at times. Sometimes we need to be in our comfort zone in order to replenish ourselves and rejuvenate ourselves. After, after a full morning of interacting with people on a Sunday, I have to go home and be by myself and just sit and decompress because I feel like I've just ruined everybody's day. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a really just challenging thing, but it's okay to be in our comfort zone. But ministry doesn't happen inside the four walls of our comfort zone. In fact, it was rare that anybody actually found Jesus in the synagogue or at the temple. Jesus did attend the synagogue. Jesus did go to the temple. But it was rare that that's where people found him regularly. In fact, most of the times whenever he went to the synagogue or temple, he created an uproar and people didn't want him there anyway. But you know where Jesus could be found? was with the people, with the least, the lost, the lonely, the unloved. That's where Jesus was, eating with sinners, not comfortable in the temple with the other Pharisees. Going to where the hurting were, not staying in one place to live it easy. You know, Jesus could have made like, like a great living if he, you know, would have just focused on himself. He was very charismatic. But he didn't. He went to where the people were. And so I have to ask, why would we think that that has changed today? Why would we think that Jesus can only be found inside the four walls of the church whenever that's never where Jesus spent all of his time? Jesus spent his time with the people, where the people were hurting, where the people needed some amount of hope and love. If we want to find Jesus, the truth is we can't just sit around waiting. We have to go where he is, with the people, not within these four walls. Have any of you ever heard of the website WikiHow? It's a, it's a website that's out there that, that basically has between one and 20 steps for doing anything. Find it, I mean, literally anything, you can find a, X amount of steps model to baking a cake, to fixing your car, to whatever you want. And this week, I actually found one that was how to find Jesus. And it was only six steps. 
Only six steps to find Jesus. And I thought, this is the answer the church has been looking for for, you know, two millennia. And so I was reading through it, and it was, it was kind of heartbreaking to see uh, the way that people were saying, if you want to find Jesus, then all you need to do is get on your knees, pray, go to church. There are some other steps in there. And there are some weird things where it was, I mean, some weird things. Y'all, if, you, if you're interested, go look this up. It's pretty weird. Six steps on finding, uh, finding Jesus. Don't follow these six steps. <laughs> Let me just put that disclaimer out there. Um, it's, it's, it's not very helpful. But it is often something that the, t- that the church does teach, that Jesus is within these four walls, that Jesus is confined to this personal moment, that Jesus is just about me and Jesus, that Jesus was never found just inside the church. Jesus was never found to be just in isolation. That's not an entirely true statement. Jesus did seek out in isolation, but Jesus wasn't one who promoted isolation. Jesus was one who promoted community. Jesus was one who sought out other people to be where they are. And so if the church wants to find Jesus, then the church needs to be willing to go where Jesus is at, with the least, the lost, the lonely, the unloved. And so my question for us today is, where is God calling you beyond your comfort zone? Maybe it's helping out with the community pantry. You've got a great opportunity this Friday and Saturday to help out, to find that out. Maybe it's helping out with our children's ministry. Y'all, we have some amazing kids in this church and two fantastic new acolytes. Can we give them a hand, by the way? William and Gilliard did a fantastic job. But we, we have to be willing to invest. Invest in our children. Invest in the community that's around us through the community pantry. Or maybe even start something new. Yes, it's probably going to be outside of our comfort zone. But that's where ministry happens, friends. Beyond our comfort zone. And it takes an amount of sacrifice. An amount of us saying, I'm willing to go a little further. I'm willing to take that extra step beyond my comfort zone to be there for the people who need Jesus. So where is God calling us today? Beyond our comfort zone. And I guarantee you that God is calling us to be beyond our comfort zone because never once did God call us to stay right where we are and be content. So let's get out there. Break down these four walls and get into the heart of it. The life and ministry of the church belongs where the least, the lost, the lonely, and the unloved are. Not just simply within the comfort of our four walls. So let us pray.